Hi everyone! Welcome to Pocha So What. I am Lenny. And Maggie over here. This is episode number three of season one. Hoy conocerán un poquito más of nuestro journey. In this case, nuestras vidas del otro lado. We'll be sharing some memories or what our parents have told us about migrating undocumented to the U.S. As well, what it meant for us to grow up over there and living undocumented in the South. Or in our case, the Southeast side, Florida and Georgia. I think it's important to say that our experiences took place in the 90s and the 2000s. I think that that's a really important um, detail. And I want to start by sharing some snippets of one of my all-time favorite books. Shout out to my friend Jill who gave me this book. And ever since I opened the first pages and I started to read it, I knew that it was going to be one of my top favorite books because... I don't know, the way that he writes, and we made we actually talked a little bit about him in the last episode, but the way that he writes and the language that he uses, I think that I was going through similar feelings and like similar experiences that I couldn't find any words for it or for them. And I think after I read his book, it just gave a little bit more legitimacy to my experience. And not only that I wasn't the only one, but... It gave me vocabulary as well. So I want to share a little bit about what he wrote in actually his second page. And this is also interesting because we had the opportunity of having a conversation with him as part of a book club that we have. Who is he, Maggie? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. But his name is um, Dr. Krasavi, Sharam Krasavi. And um, he is the author of the book Illegal Traveler and autoethnography of borders and i think that it was really amazing how i and many of us connected in this conversation with him even though he is older than us and he is i mean his experience took place in another border on the other side of the planet and it was amazing how that connection just because we both went through the experience of crossing mm -hmm. these borders. Um, it was really amazing. It was and, powerful. Yeah, it was powerful. So he shares in the second page of, of his book, it says, If I take a step, I will be somewhere else. When my foot touches the ground on the other side of the road, I will not be the same person. If I take the step, I will be an illegal person. And the world will never be the same again. That night, I took that step, and my odyssey of illegality began. I don't know. That, I feel like it's a strong, powerful quote to start this conversation. So we have a few questions that we prepared, and we're going to be trying to answer to some of these questions. And I don't know, Lenny, why don't you start by sharing us what do you think about these words? That crossing over, that simple action of just taking one step turns you as an illegalized person in the eyes of the whole world. And being an illegalized person entails so much more than just being undocumented. It entails how you live in this world, how you are seen in this world. It entails the traumas that you carry within you. It entails everything it entails your family connections so this this quote is is also one of my favorites in this book once again if you guys have never read it uh please look for it illegal traveler um it's an amazing book that as you said no 
truly gave words to the feelings that I was going through at that time as well. And legitimatizó, I can't even say it in English <laughs> or Spanish, <laughs> um, that, that feeling of like, it's not me that is an illegal person, but it is a system, it is this walled up world that is illegalizing me as a human being. Yeah, and so why don't we start by by letting us know, Lenny, what do you remember or have been told of your experience experience crossing to the U.S.? Like, how old were you? What do you remember? So, I don't remember. Um, I crossed when I was like two years and a half. And I was actually watching on the weekend the show called The Alienist, and where he's a, um, a psychologist that back in the day was using like um, the science that was just coming up to solve crimes and, and, and mysteries. And in this episode in particular, he was actually using hypnosis uh, to hypnotize one of his patients to be able to um, kind of bring to the surface memories that she blocked to be able to find clues to solve who in this case had stolen her baby. And that left me like really intrigued with hypnosis. Like if I would ever like to do that for myself, but I'm actually, I'm, I'm really afraid of what will come to surface because my two and a half year old, three year old brain blocked these memories and they blocked it or my brain blocked it for a reason. I don't know why or I don't know what went through that night. I know what my mom told me and I got to understand or I got to hear for the first time like my story of migrating to the US when I was like 21, 22-ish when I was actually in university um, and I was finally ready to, to understand what had been my journey. And well, as my mom shares, first my dad had left to the US um, a year or so before. Well, a little bit, yeah, like a year or so before. Uh, because my mom um, stayed pregnant with my sister and my dad left um, soon after. And he was able to um, acumular suficiente dinero to set up los coyotes, like all, all of that thing that is necessary to be able to cross us over. And what she says is that we basically crossed the river in a swimming pool. I remember clearly that she told me, you remember la alberquita que usaban in, in summer in Florida? Pues en una de esas cruzamos. And it was like as simple as that, no? And my mom till this day doesn't know how to swim. Um, and she says basically que inflaron la, la alberca ahí. Me dice que cuando comenzaron o cuando comenzamos la caminata en la noche. Um, my sister was like eight months. So she was with my mom in her arms. And she told me to pretend that I was asleep so that I wouldn't have to walk in the desert and so that one of the coyotes would carry me. Mm -hmm. So she says que de atrás, she like, me hacía mis, su manita para que cerrara mis ojitos mm -hmm. and basically that I pretended to, to be asleep along the walk. So maybe as well, that's why I don't remember. Maybe at one point I did fall asleep, no? Um, but she says that we arrived to the river and that it was dark, um, that she was scared, that no podía ver nada, uh, I don't know if there's gators or, or what can be possibly in there. And we got into the alberquita and she says that mid-river, um, the alberquita was flooding. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really bad. Um, but we made it to the other side. 
we made it to the other side and on the other side we arrived wet with thorns dice que at some point we had to hide within the bushes um because there was like helicopters and lights flying around and at one point they we got to like the drop off where i met el último coyote which is now mi abuelo tapia and that's the one i shared um in the last episode and he had he was a retired coyote at the time my dad actually met him in in um his church in arcadia florida where where he arrived to in in the u.s and eh, basically fue la última corrido, corrida que hizo mi abuelo in this case um, we come from the denomination of assemblies of God asambleas de Dios and pues hay como este network no la iglesia de la frontera eh, sent baby clothes they were in ayuno y oración eh, while all of this was going on y pues los coyotes de México basically gave us to los el coyote de Estados Unidos to his car Um, they were able to change my sister's clothes and put her in the baby seat, pero ya no tuvieron tiempo de cambiarme a mí, because ya venía la migra atrás. Dice mi mamá que como los 15 minutos de llegar a Estados Unidos, um, they were stopped. And my mom dice que the, the thing she remembered in English watching shows como en México es como, what's your name, no? Mm -hmm. Y que separaron a mi abuela, mi mamá, y que a mi mamá le preguntaban que what's your name, what's your name. At that point, they hadn't really had an opportunity to talk. Mi mamá dice que we arrived to the, the United States, gracias a Dios. Uh, because she says that no sabe de dónde, pero que el nombre de Jenny came out of her mouth. What she didn't know was that my grandpa, or in este caso el coyote, had an acta de nacimiento of his U.S. citizen-born daughter, whose name was Jennifer Tapia. Oh. That actually my sister went to school with the sis with the daughter of the real Jennifer Tapia in Arcadia. Um, so because my mom said Jenny and until this day she doesn't know where the name came from, but it popped in her head. Um, the coyote said, I don't know what's going on. We got like detected that there was something going on here that una cruzada pues, pero Like, leave now, basically. And they said that they tried to find the first hotel that they could. Nos encerramos ahí. And then the next day started our journey all the way to Florida. Wow. I mean, I've heard the, your story before, but I think there's just so much similarity to my story yeah. of also crossing to the United States and documented. I mean, I also don't have a lot of memories of crossing. I was also two years and a half. Um, and I do, and the same thing, like my dad had migrated at first. He was already in Dallas. He was also going, in this case, to the Catholic Church. Um, and my mom and I um, followed him so that the family could be together. And the same thing, como cruzamos, my mom was carrying me. She said um, that cruzó como a first tramo, like the first wall. And then the second como inspection, ya eh, unos amigos de mi dad, que es una pareja, ya nos estaban esperando to pick us up. And he was also like a leader in the Catholic Church in mm -hmm. Dallas. And he and his wife um, pues fueron en su carro and they picked us up in this before the second checkpoint. And I just remember that my mom said that también me dijo, como hasta la dormida, por si llegamos al checkpoint, pues no nos vayan a hacer bajar. And the esposa, que es quien nos cruzó, he, she was like, oh, hopefully it would rain. And my mom just said that se vino así como una big tormenta. 
And then back in the day, they had like semáforos. I don't know now. But they, they, they still do. do. They still do. Yeah. But since it was raining, the semáforo was on green, which mm -hmm. it meant that you could go forward and you wouldn't have to stop para que te revisen el carro. So she said that because of the rain, nos tocó en verde. And we just went in car as if we had papers, como ya el second inspection, como ya fue cruzar. And yeah, pues llegamos a Dallas, Texas. And I remember the only funny thing that I, I, I think that's my first memory. Um, cuando llegamos al apartment and my mom was like, oh, this is your dad. And I remember I, I was hiding behind my mom's like falda or whatever mm -hmm. she was wearing. And I was like, no. And my mom was like, no, si es tu papá. And I was like, no, because he has cabello de mujer. So he had long hair. And I didn't, I don't know. I was like, that's not my dad. Como. And everybody started like. I don't like, remember him like that. No. I don't remember him with long hair. And everybody started like laughing at me and. I mean, after we we just settled in, in Dallas, I mean, of course, I remember going to elementary and my, my dad worked in Asian restaurants, entonces, in Texas. So I remember every night llegaba como con leftovers y comida. Mm. And my mom would clean houses, so she would take me to all these, like, big mansion houses and I would be playing and she would be, like, cleaning. And I just remember just, like, hanging out and, like, Going to Galveston, a la playa, birthday parties, holidays. So that was a little bit about migrating, but also just growing up and living in, in Texas as a child. So taking it a, a little bit uh, backwards into La Cruzada, how do you feel of not having a lot of memories of it? I don't know. I think that was, I, I actually hadn't thought about it. If it was something that I blocked, Because now that I think about it consciously, like the first real memory is eso, ¿no? Cuando llegamos al apartment and I kind of like, where are we? Mm -hmm. But maybe I was also asleep. Como I think that that age, como todavía estás como, como muy pequeña. I've heard friends that they were like four or five. Yeah. And they have shared that they remember como que era una aventura o un juego or like that they told them, oh, vamos de viaje, and they described it as something like an adventure feeling. Pero a los dos años como que, no. I've had some friends as well that have shared it as an adventure or that they actually now have fears. Like, um, I have a friend who fears a lot thunderstorms, and she says because she remembers that she had to hide under a thorn bush while there was a huge thunderstorm going on in the desert, like with um, thunder and everything like that. And I don't remember that night, but as an adult now, I really go back and forth to, to that night and how in our case, we made it, no? But there, like, who hasn't made it? And that is something haunting um, that has been in my head for, for these last couple of years. And, and right now that we've been diving in every single time, every single time we do one of these episodes and we dive in more into our own stories well it, it takes you back to those spaces no yeah. um and I, i i question no how many didn't and i think what pushed us forward or what pushes so many of our community members that cross borders every day forward is those dreams of los que no llegaron like we're walking ancestral lands of stolen lands no And for a long time, I would see como la frontera as this bridge mm -hmm. or 
as this reto to be able to alcanzar el American dream, pero cada vez más y más que, que crezco, I think more than seeking the American dream and one of the biggest memories that I have of being raised in Florida um, and particularly in school is, is learning about black history, uh, Black History Month and particularly like the, the, the Northern Star, the Big Dipper, um, the, the, like, the Underground Railroad and a lot of those things come up whenever I kind of try to remember or try to think like what I would feel in the desert. Mm -hmm. So more than the American dream, I think our community like follows that Northern Star that I always question as well, ¿por qué siempre es, es hacia el norte, no? Mm -hmm. eh, pero that Northern Star, that more than the American dream is the dream for dignity and the dream to be able to have a dignified life, a dream to be able to have a dignified life for your family. And that is just one of the biggest things that always sticks with me. And I wrote a poem, igual y lo compartimos a la final, um, but that's just something that is always constantly there. And I think we're going to be touching more in the last episodes of this season, but I mean, I think that the, it's always the North because, I mean, the United States has created this this story of a great place, an exceptional place, a place where dreams come true, yeah. a place where people are equal and free, where there is justice. And the reality is that in many countries in Latin America, pues, have been struggling because of the influence uh, and the intervention of the same United States. So yeah. I think that there's still... And, and at the end, it's a reality. Como no, another friend who is from Honduras, he was telling me the other day, like, I want to I wanna go to the U.S. And part of me wants to say, like, well, I already lived in the United States desde los dos años hasta los 18. And I've been in Mexico for 12 years. And I've been able to learn and unlearn a lot of things of, of both countries. And... I'm like, why, why, like, why? And and he and his answer is, I want to feed my family in Honduras. I want my family to one day be safe and be in a place where they can be happy. And and he can't achieve that in Honduras or even in Mexico because he is an immigrant in Mexico because of racism. Because como todo esto. And the reality is that he's like, my friend is already in the U.S. and he's making money to send to his family. And ¿qué le puedo decir yo como don't go or that's not true? I, at the end of the day, people are, are running away for a better life. And I think that's been part of the discourse, but it's not this American dream. I think that people are escaping and trying to survive. So my family moved from Texas to Georgia when I was like eight years Um I do remember that we went to Mexico after when I was like seven. Um, and I don't have a lot of memories of crossing back, but I do remember that it was something pretty quick. And then after that, we moved to Georgia. So when I was like eight, we moved to Georgia. And that meant that I finished elementary school, middle school, high school in Georgia. So I think Dalton is more of my hometown than Dallas. Um, And I remember, pues, elementary and middle school, pues, más que nada, just going to school, being at home. Um, but I think that in my eighth year, casi before freshman in high school, that's where I have a lot of memories of being really active in my community, like, with my friends, but also in my high school, like, a pretty nerd, you would say, like... <laughs> 
library assistant, teacher assistant, in the yearbook club. I also do library and yearbook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in elementary. Oh, in elementary? <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> este, I was high school. Pero, pero sí, como then after that, I think I started to go out more into my community and explore it more. Um, also, there's an element that I didn't want to be in my house. So, like, those are other traumas of being part of a family. <laughs> But um, that I think that was one of the biggest reasons why I was super active in the Teen Resource Center, in translating at health fairs, in teacher-parent conferences, or helping Latino uh, elders pass their citizenship test. Ironically, my favorite subject was U.S. history. <laughs> Now it's like, ugh, what was I thinking? It was all a lie. But <laughs> I was good at it, so like I could answer the 100 questions for wow. the citizenship test. So a lot of my volunteering work was that. And then I really loved the hospital. I, I also remember while I was working on this episode, that I wanted to be a nurse. And I worked a long time um, in the hospital as a volunteer, and especially in like the maternity and the birth center. I wanted to be a neonatal nurse. I wanted to be a nurse. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, now I am an activist and an organizer, but then I, I was just thinking the other day, like people, because of these borders and our experiences, como we end up not doing what we wanted yeah. to do when we were in high school, like many people, you're like, my passion is to be a nurse. I'm going to fight for it. But then years after, como el hecho de que no podía estudiar, and then I came back to Mexico and blah, blah, blah. Y'all will hear more about that. But that just made me como not give up those dreams, but it took another path. So I was raised in Florida, super close to Georgia, and I actually did a road trip with my family to uh -huh. Georgia. Um, so maybe we... we crossed paths maybe at some point in the u.s no say maybe we went through dalton and i don't know maybe maybe <laughs> uh-huh but for 100 um my biggest memory is the beach um and i still yearn for it so i have two places that i was in arcadia which is the place that we arrived to um but what i would call my hometown is bradenton And I have a lot of memories of like the church, como les compartí en the second episode, being part of this big Latino church, um, doing a lot of road trips as kids with my mom and dad, um, our first home, uh, looking for our first home. Uh, we actually had visited this house where we thought we were going to get a home with a pool, and I was so excited about that. <laughs> um, also, getting up to watch cartoons. <laughs> So my go-to were always like Clifford, um, Sailor Moon, Dragon Tales. Dragon Tales. I loved Dragon Tales. Eating breakfast, running to the bus stop, uh, waiting at the bus stop, y que pasaran ahí, que saludaras a como tus amigos, tus amigas. Books. Falling yeah. in love with books. They were books for me were were a go-to place to just feel free in. Um, even though I I had never really carried that sense of of not freedom while I was in the U.S. until I found out that I was undocumented. Um, I, I, I guess I understood it in an economic sense that my family, like, we, we lived in the ghetto, no? When we started. Of course, ya cuando compraron la casa, then my parents, my, one of my, my dad's biggest dream was actually to own a ranch. Porque pues él se había criado en el rancho. And we actually were able to go back to the suburbs of Arcadia and we were like the only Latino family in 
the street raccoon trail next to like alligator trail <laughs> like that's how deep we were in um and he was able to kind of touch uh the the i, I kind of feel like it was a castle in the sand <laughs> because i did feel like we were moving up that economic ladder mm-hmm. and i did feel like oh this american dream is real in the sense of like started from the bottom now you're here no mm-hmm. um but then you realized, así como se tardó tanto para alcanzar eso, así de rápido fue desvanecerse. Mm-hmm. So I really feel that a lot of my life in the U.S. was like that castle in the sand. Um, Bill Nye, the science guy, the school lunches. What were you, What was some of your favorite school lunches, Maggie? Ooh, for siendo the South, I mean... That mashed potato that was very and, fake. And that brown gravy thingy. Oh, yeah. The, the white, molida. the country gravy, también, oh. with bis- over the biscuits. I remember when we would get spaghetti, and they would give um, the garlic bread rolls, uh-huh. and people would sacar el pan in the middle and fill it up with the pasta inside. Um, oh, and the, the Smucker's. Um, Uncrustables. Oh, yeah. I love those as well. Tus lechitas. Que escogías y querías strawberry or chocolate, chocolate or like the normal one. Night school for my parents. I do have flashbacks of actually going to night school, particularly my mom. She, she really um, tried to invest in herself for us in the sense of uh, we really assimilated to where we were. Even though I was in a very Latino community, I went to white schools. So the majority of the population was white and we were like few of the colored skinned. And that was actually um, the way that she made us feel even less that we were not part of the country was that she would volunteer or she would be like part of um, the fundraising activities. Como les digo, she would go to night school so she was able to to speak more Spanish and more English. Aunque, of course, como every immigrant child, pues pasamos por esa fase de translation. Mm-hmm. Yep. In my case, it was when actually my dad started his landscaping company. He named it Etzebel Landscaping <laughs> after my first name. We know who was the favorite kid. <laughs> the firstborn. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Pero I remember we would cross the bridges and go to the islands. Um, como eh, in, in Florida, pues las islas, ¿no? En donde ya eran como gated communities or mansions. And I would have to be the translator of my dad to like give quotes and things like that and contracts. I had to learn how to tax <laughs> when I was a little girl. Um, and I would get paid in chalupas and in helados de McDonald's. Okay, thinking it back, that wasn't a good way of receiving payment for that. <laughs> or royalties for my name. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, right. And I just remember very strongly having pride to be American and having a pride to like say the Pledge of Allegiance and always like saying and singing um, the patriotic songs with a lot of um, proudness and being proud to be in a country of immigrants because since I would see diversity around me, um, so like so many other colors, so many other cultures, I felt proud to be in like this this country that had so many other faces, um, and that's something like when we came back to Mexico, and I'm kind of skipping forward. One of the first things my brother said is like, "Why is everybody brown?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's something like you like you could see diversity in the United States, but of course then reality hit, no? And you started to process, okay, well this country was actually built on slaves. It wasn't so much immigrants that started. Like, of course, 
entramos nosotros further on in the history y todo eso, ¿no? Pero you start to decolonize or de deconstruct all that you were told. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's like a weird thing because, I mean, in Georgia, pues in general in the South, ¿no? Como we, many of us didn't grow up with, like, versus a California, ¿no? Where you see a lot of brown people. Yeah. Um, creo que in my case, pues a lot of people were white. Como too many people were white. And I think that when we moved... Confederate flags, like all of that. When yeah. we moved, actually, to, to Georgia was because there was a wave of... Uh, people moving there because there were a lot of jobs, especially in the carpet industry in Dalton. Como I even read it in a book um, that in between 1994 to 1997, 1998, como it was a really huge wave of immigrants moving to the South because of la mano de obra, no este. So después de que nos mudamos, como in those years, that's when we started to see a lot more immigrants and Latinos. And black people como in different other areas, but it was still very segregated. Yeah. Um, and so going into the question of when did we find out we were undocumented and how we coped with it? I think that that's something really particular also to some people, not everybody, because I do know a lot of people that they did know they were undocumented mm -hmm. or that their parents did tell them. Um, especially, I guess, if you live, like, in California or in the West in general, uh, in the East in general, well, where am I? In the West Coast in general. <laughs> but I think that in my case, como I found out I was undocumented in high school because I was actually going to apply for a job, ironically, in Taco Bell. Este, but I was going to apply in... in And I went and I filled out the application, had the interview and everything. And they just told me, oh, like your social security is not going through. And then obviously I had the talk, like that talk with my parents about my status. And it was just like, I think from that day, which I was a sophomore in high school, yo creo que estaba por terminar my 10th grade, um, everything changed como... From that day, I think that I, if I had, I mean, I did have some sort of patriotismo in me as well, yeah. como that whole Pledge of Allegiance. And as I said, I won an award as U.S. history, como student. So there was that part of me too at some point. But I think that after I found out I was undocumented, it was como si se hubiera quitado una venda de mis ojos, como... Like, what? Like, I'm no longer wanted here. Like, I'm, like, what happened? Like, my whole identity, I think, at that moment is when it started to shred into little pieces. Like, you're not from here, but I also didn't feel like from Mexico because pues, yo decía como, I'm never moving to Mexico. So, like, at that point, I did feel like I wasn't from here nor from there. And it just became all the, like, the next two years, it was a lot of just, like, struggling with that and what am I going to do how am I going to go into college how am I going to drive like I didn't want to tell my friends and later I found out that some of them were also undocumented but we just didn't talk about it my teachers did not know anything about undocumented people or how to support undocumented people so I think I was really angry and I was very disappointed and I was just like pues no soy de ningún lado no yeah 
So it also hit me as a curveball. Um, I did not see that coming for me either. Me sale mucho la mente ese gif um, of I'm Mexican. <laughs> I don't know if you guys if you've seen it. We'll share it on on our Instagram. Um, but I guess sometimes you feel so assimilated that you forget where you actually were born or to even question where you were from. And I think that's what happened in my case. Like, I never really questioned if I was born, like, in Mexico and Estados Unidos. Like, I knew very well, like, my brother was born in Arcadia. My other baby brother was born in Bradenton. But I guess I had never really, like, I, I, it was just something that I didn't really think about because I didn't think I needed to think about it. And and Bradenton is where my my world was flipper, flipped around. I was 16 and it it was something that was already coming um como puedo decir? Like it was que ya no podían tapar el sol con con su con el dedo, ¿no? Como esa frase. At first we were living in Arcadia, we were living in the suburbs, como les digo. We had that feeling that we were finally reaching that American dream, ¿no? Um, and my dad, he would travel from the suburbs to the cities, to the islands. Um, so he would have to go through one single highway and come back home through one single highway. Empezaron las redadas in, in 2008, 2009. Y my dad started to get tickets because of driving without a license. And I started to understand como we had to move from Arcadia and we moved back to our house in Florida, in Bradenton. Um, because it was closer for my dad to be able to go like to the houses that he did keeping for. Mm -hmm. And como que, okay, started, things started to click, no? Pero it wasn't until my parents finally sat us down, like also having that conversation. And in this case, it was because my dad ya había acumulado muchos tickets de manejarse licencia that he was given jail time. So he was actually, um, he had to present himself in court and he was able to make a plea and donde he didn't have to like go there full time he would actually turn himself in every friday and come out every sunday at first i i questioned everything and i felt a lot of anger mm -hmm. i felt a lot of anger towards my dad because i would hear the conversations of my parents like my mom telling him pues contrata a alguien con licencia no para que maneje aunque i really didn't understand all of these terms mm -hmm. um i understood that my parents couldn't get a license anymore and it had something to do with because they weren't born in this country, no? Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of anger towards my dad for, for during that period of why didn't he just simply like get somebody to drive for him? Mm -hmm. Like, ¿por qué a fuerza huevo tenía que él manejar, no? Mm -hmm. um, pero pues everything had happened and now like I remember the first time we went to take my dad to jail mm -hmm. um, with my I remember she was wearing a purple purple and black dress mm -hmm. and that she hugged him and she got teary and I, I just I guess I just didn't allow my, like I kind of went numb since mm -hmm. I discovered I was undocumented mm -hmm. and they kind of turned into blurred memories. Mm. So I think once again, my, my brain, I've had a lot of additional traumas in my life that at one point we'll be sharing, but I think my brain has a fuerte mechanism in, my, in, my, in me of blocking things, of blurring a lot of memories. Um, and a lot of things started to click. Like one of the biggest recurrent childhood memories are when we were... Um, when we were waiting home for my dad to come home from work and que empezaba a bajar el sol y oscurecía 
And I, I remember I could even feel my mom's anxiety, mm-hmm. whose who's nervios, like reading, transmitting them. Yeah, reading off of her. And I, I'm actually quite an anxious person. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I could feel it as a little girl. And she would start to kneel down and she would kneel us all down and to pray for my dad mm-hmm. so that he would make it home safely. And I started to, like, things started to click. And it's like, oh, we would pray for my dad to come home because there was this possibility that he could get picked up and not come home or get deported. That's when I finally understood also for the first time and heard the word deportation Mm -hmm. because it was a fear now within my family. Um, my parents, my, my siblings who are mixed status family, como les compartimos in the second episode, understanding that even though they were born in the United States, their parents and their sisters weren't, in quotation mark, allowed to be in the country, no? Um, my way of coping was going into myself, of becoming numb, mm-hmm. of not saying goodbye to anybody. I left without saying goodbye to anybody except one friend. And as well, like you shared, she mm-hmm. shared with me that she was actually undocumented. Tambien. She's from Guatemala. Um, and she actually gifted me. Uh, she had a band as a little girl. She mm-hmm. gifted me her CD. Oh. And, and like she wrote me a little letter and things like that. And I felt dirty. I felt for the first time in the shadows. And I started to realize like whenever I would hear Univision and things like that, when they were talking about la reforma migratoria, Obama coming into the presidency, la comunidad como... OMG, there's going to be an immigration reform. It is was like, well, we actually came back during that period because a lot of the context was fuerte con nuestra comunidad de persecution. And I think that's important to really highlight because tanto como Lenny yo, I think we went through our period of finding out what it meant to be undocumented during the economic crisis yeah. and the redadas como... And in the South, I think that it's really important to take into consideration the region and the time and in, in, in those years. Like, seriously, that's when you were seeing, like, redadas, a lot of the counties. Like, I hadn't heard about, like, who was undocumented or, yeah. like, before that until, like, many of the counties next to our county. Ya decían como, oh, Gordon County is like a ghost county because everybody's moving from there because they're running away por las redadas y por todo lo que estabas empezando. You would hear in the Walmart, la migra. My mom was scared that my my siblings could be taken away from her. Foster, mm-hmm. como... Todos esos miedos, todo eso empezaba a salir during the economic crisis, a few years after 911 and the creation of yeah. ICE y todo esto, como... That's when como que the effect of, of 911 and the creation of ICE really started to reach the communities. Yeah. And again, como dices, I started to pay attention more to like the news and like the whole Dream Act and como, oh, como todo esto de Obama. Like I came back in, in June 2008. So I actually came back a few months before Obama was elected. Mm. So I think it's really important to really pay attention to all of that. Um, because it's part of our story. Yeah. Y como tú decías, como coping, like you you block things. I think that my coping mechanism when I found out I was undocumented, besides being angry and confused and afraid, I really started to come out with my teachers and my friends in church. And I would drag my dad to a cita con un abogado and I would try to talk to people and write. I just found the other day I was reading all the letters that I wrote when I was 
17 or yeah 17 in high school como en 2006 2007 i gather all these letters from everywhere i volunteered and they all gave me letters of like recommendation and i think that those two years i really invested myself in trying to figure out a way to stay in the u.s um y ya vamos a entrar un poco en en, en la parte de what was the process of planning to come back to Mexico? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was in my senior year that como que agoté todos los recursos. I emailed scholarships for undocumented. Había solo como dos, and one of them had ran out of funds. I went to college fairs. I went to attorneys. I would... Now that I think about it, like I really did do everything I could to figure out a way to stay in the U.S. because I didn't want to leave. Como I, but I also didn't want to stay after high school undocumented and not be able to get into college. Como que I felt like if I didn't do it right away, I was just going to start working and not continue with my professional como dreams. Educational path. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So that's when... And also my family, like, I think because of the redadas y todo esto, como they, they were kind of like cansados and they were yeah. like, let's just go to Mexico, como hablas inglés and we'll go to Mexico and you'll find a job and blah, blah, blah. And I think I got so like cansada de escuchar the same conversation over dinner that I just said one day, I think I was like, I think it was like a few months before graduating from high school that I said, okay, me voy para Mexico, como... And everybody was, like, in shock, but they didn't believe me. Mm -hmm. So they were like, yeah, right, como. Ya hasta que uh, they knew I was serious, como I found a driver in a van que venía a llevar cosas a México. And I, ya como que tenía la date, I started to say goodbye to all my friends, my teachers. I started to get all these recommendation letters. And I just, I had, like, the date and time. And, yeah, fue como, okay, I'm doing this. And I'm also doing it, not wanting to do it, but deep down, I was like, if I leave now, maybe there's a way to come back in the future. Um, and because I was also, again, como angry. And, and, and I even questioned myself, like, I'm doing the same, I'm, I'm going to the place from where my parents ran away yeah. to get a better life. And I, I was scared that it wasn't going to work out, that it was contradicting. Como... It seemed illogical, no? Yeah, it seemed illogical. And, and also that como my parents let me come by myself. Yeah. I was 18. And, and then it, I, I remember getting to the border and like I was about to just like go back to Georgia. Like I was about to call my parents to come pick me up. But <laughs> when I crossed the border, it was like... Ni modo, como, I did it, like, there's no way, like, never mind, like, I want to go back, or oops, como, it was like, once I did it, se sintió como this weird feeling of, pues ya, there's nothing, it's like when you lose someone you love, it's like, pues ya no hay nada que puedas hacer, como, there's no, I can't just, like, cross back. Or running back. Exactly. How about you? Uh, I share those feelings with you. So after my dad had finished his time in jail and did like his community hours and things like that, um, the conversation was e growing more and more like we're going back to Mexico, no? Like there's nothing we can do. And I still remember at the end, um, I have flashbacks to actually going to a protest. 
um, at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and it was because of a, a reforma migratoria, no? Pero mm-hmm. I, I guess my parents also had lost hope. Like, having a conversation with them, I know that they had tried to, like, arreglar nuestros papeles, pero como muchos les pasa en la comunidad, fueron estafados, ¿no? Mm-hmm. Um, and, pues, my, my siblings were still very young, so it's like, okay, falta mucho para que cumplan 20 años to even think about petitioning and things like that. And I, I had more the feeling of, I don't think I'll ever come back. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave the place I call home. I call home and never come back. Yeah, deep down that was yeah. me too. But I think like my defense mechanism was like maybe. I'm going to. <laughs> like I remember I even went to my church and like yeah. I promised como that cross that I was gonna be back mm-hmm. through the big door. I would say como I'm gonna be back. But deep down, I mean, I was sobbing because I knew that. That was just something that I was telling to myself, no? To to comfort yourself, no? Yeah. Um, but I also remember that going through this phase, I had to put on a strong face for my siblings. Um, because my what we were trying to transmit is como we're taking a road trip. Like one of those road trips that we would take. In this case, of no return. <laughs> Pero I, I still really, really believe my parents. Sino que fue hasta que llegué a casa un día And my mom I was the first since I was in high school Era como esos días que salíamos temprano no That the high schoolers would have half days uh-huh. And we would feel like cool going home early um, I arrived home My kitty was waiting for me outside And um, outside the green door I opened it And my mom was like scavenging around the house Con cajas all over And telling me like Choose whatever, like, lo que más quieras. We're going back to Mexico, no? And that's when, like, it hit me. Like, mm-hmm. like, damn, like, we're going back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, they want me to pack everything I have. Yeah, like, they expect me to pack my life in boxes. Mm-hmm. And, pues, we started the process of, I saw my acta de nacimiento for the first time. We went to Orlando to the consulate. My brothers got a double citizenship. Um, I got uh, un pasaporte por la primera vez en mi vida. I discovered that I was born in Pijijapan, Chiapas. I couldn't even spell it. I remember our trip to Orlando. When we and to Orlando, we would go to go to Disney. Like it was a place in my childhood that held like beautiful memories, no, and and memories of like of having fun. In this case, we went to Orlando. And every single time, I would always poke out, like, or my face or my eyes out to try to see the, the Mickey Mouse ears mm-hmm. in La Entrada. And I remember I saw it, and I remember then when we were leaving, like, in my head, I was like, I wanted to see the Mickey Mouse ears because I, I didn't know if I would ever see the Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. ears again, no? And I remember that day we kind of made it fun. Like, we have pictures um, when we were waiting outside the consulado. I remember a huge pimple came out that day because... Typical, whenever you need to take an ID picture or whatever, te sale el, el más grande pimple que te puede salir. <laughs> <laughs> I remember clearly that. I remember I was using like this army green t-shirt and um, that we went with my tío Rudy, uh, who was actually Honduran. Uh, he drove us to, to Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's a lot there. I think that, pues sí, como the next... 
The next episode yeah. is going to be even more intense, spoiler alert, but I think we've dived a lot today into going back into these memories and yeah. these journeys and even going back to the emotions that we felt when we were over there. And now, I mean, next episode will be about the emotions and, and, and the memories of coming back to Mexico. I mean, I've been here for 12 years and a half and you've been here for 11, 11? years and two months 11 years and two months como i think that that's a whole other journey now the de, de cuando regresamos a mexico and yeah. what that was look like i mean they dropped me off at three in the morning in a gas station así como todas mis maletas and like tú arreglatelas I had a border agent tell my mm. me, my mom, my sister to not cross, actually. That it was dangerous, right? To the Mexican right? side. Yeah. And, and th that's another thing in Mexico, too, that we'll be tapping more into yeah. the next conversation. So let us know what you thought about this talk, if you felt related, if you have similar experiences. And, and also aprovechando, like hit us up on our social media if you guys have any questions, maybe what we would have done different in, in our process of coming back, no? And maybe in the next episode, episode we can share kind of like what paperwork or or now coming back to Mexico y pues como dice Maggie we're going to be tapping into taking that first step into Mexico y nuestros primeros años en Mexico yeah mm -hmm. so yeah please follow us on on social media on Instagram Facebook Twitter um and follow this podcast and we really want to hear from all of you I think that there's a lot of diversity and the community goes through a lot of different experiences going crossing to the u.s or coming back from the u.s or just living undocumented it's very different um obviamente living again in in the west and in the east um and in the south como es, es todo north. otra experiencia <laughs> but i think Hasta we want to alaska hear. we yeah, have community hawaii. members uh-huh that have been deported from alaska and hawaii like Estamos en todos lados. Yeah, so yeah, hit us up and, and, and we're excited to tap more into um, Mexico. Our journey. Mm -hmm. So thank you for listening, everybody. Bye, guys.